My name is Julia Awadallah. I have my master's in clinical psychology. I've been doing my PhD in clinical psych. I have worked with parents before to teach them how to raise kids, especially here in the United States. All right, so now I know some of you might be shy. This is the first time that I talk and see everyone. So here on the screen, there is a website. It's called slido.com. You guys can go on it and enter that code. And whoever wants to ask questions, um, write a comment or a concern, you guys can go ahead and do that. It's anonymous, so I don't know who's sending what. Um, and that should help you guys um, be a little bit more comfortable, okay? All right, and as we go, uh, please feel free to call me off and ask questions, ask for a clarification or send any questions, okay? So today we're talking about parenting styles. Does anyone know what's parenting styles? Like authoritative versus like passive? Or... Right, 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 you have it. So you said two out of the four. Authoritative and permissive, that's what he said. So we have two more. Positarian and neglectful. Okay? And we're gonna go much in we're gonna go much in details with, with each one of them. But before I go, um, can you guys engage with me and tell me like how do you guys raise your kids? What's your strategies? Yeah. Survive. Survive. <laughs> yeah. Good one. Don't kill them. Don't kill them. Okay. Oh, we have a serious talk here. <laughs> All right, so let's keep going. And to just start off and set the stage, there's two things that we need to keep in mind when we're raising kids. We call them the dimensions, okay? So the first one is responsiveness, warmth, and communication. And the second one is demandingness, control, and rules. So those two things are the dimensions that we're gonna be building on to raise our kids, okay? Keep, do, keep those two things in mind, because we're gonna need them. Okay. So with the first one that we talked about, the Australian parenting style, was this one, parents are like the bullies cart at home. They're like, you do this, I'm the parent, you're the child, I know better than you, and that's it. Rules, rules, rules. Okay, so they use the second dimension. The one was control and rule. So I want you to remember this one by being the police. You're the police at home. Okay, does anyone have any questions so far about this one? How many of you guys use this one? You guys set the rules and tell your children, you do this. And when they ask, you'd be like, I mean, I know better than you. You're not gonna know now. I know better than you. Sometimes, right? For sure. They don't, if they understand, yes. If they understand, yes. Would children ever understand us? What do you think? Do they understand us? No. No. Sometimes. No. Nope. Sometimes. <laughs> no, they do. They do? A little bit. A little bit? Okay, so the answer to, that, to this question, there's no way children will understand the adult's mind. No way, okay? But they listen and they save everything. So they might not understand you now, 
but everything you tell them and teach them, they save it and they use it later when it's time for them to understand and use it. Okay? It's a little bit difficult because they cannot understand, but they listen and save. Okay? With this authoritarian parenting style, we said that they use control and rules, the second dimension, but they don't use, or rarely they use, the first one, which is warmth and communication. Okay? Which I know a lot of us use this one sometimes. Whether we like it or not. Especially when we're mad, right? Or upset. We have no patience to explain anything. Okay, so the second one, permissive parenting styles. This is the opposite of the first one. Because this one, parents use the first dimension and they don't use the second one. So with this one, they're so warm, they communicate, they're so loving, so friendly. Oh, just do whatever you want, just let me know. As long as I know what you're doing, I'm fine. It's okay. No guidance, no control, and no rules. Okay? And maybe this is a little bit far away from our community and what we use, but you would be surprised about how many parents think that this is the correct one to use here in the United States. Why? Because we have more freedom and kids are taught everything in school. So they think that if we are their friends, then everything will be fine. They're gonna be good. It's better to win them and be their friends than to be what? Their parents. But something that you guys must know and understand is that we need to do both. We are their friends, but we can never forget that we're the parents as well. Okay? Any questions so far? No? Okay. The third one, neglective. Uninvolved parents. With this one, kids are the victims. Parents get so busy at work, both parents, with life here in America. Um, so you work all the time and you don't know the kids. Nothing about the kids. How many of you, and I'm guilty of that too, I don't have children, but I have little brothers, that found new stuff about them during COVID because we stayed at home with them. We learned more things about them because we had to stay with them. We had to communicate. We had to see them on a daily basis, all the time. The last one, authoritative, supportive parenting style. With this one, parents use both, both dimensions. They communicate, they're warm, they're loving, but at the same time, they set rules and they guide, okay? Like I said, we're their friends, but we can never forget that we are the parents. And that's rule number one, not the friend. My rule is to be a parent, not their friend. Friends comes along the way. But part of being a parent is to be loving and to communicate and to teach. Because our children learn from us the most. The first thing the child learns, it's very, very hard later on to unlearn. So it's better to come from us. And most of the time it comes from us. 
relationships do you learn it from dad and mom? Who to be with do you learn it from dad and mom? Braying do you learn it from dad and mom? How to be successful do you learn it from them? How to be angry do you learn it from them? When we sit with them and they do something annoying and suddenly we scream at them out loud, stop, I said stop so many times. What do we teach them? It's okay to raise your voice. It's okay when you're mad to raise your voice. What do we teach them if we hit them when they do something wrong? It's okay to use your hand. We are the models. We have to be really careful with that. Because like I said, they listen, they see, and they save it for later. I had one of the parents um, came to me one time and she was like, I'm so mad at my kid, so mad. It's like, why? She was like, he's only seven years old and he cursed me. I was like, okay, tell me a little bit more. And then she was talking to me and while she was talking, she cursed. I'm like, uh-oh, here we go. He must have heard it from you. And then we get mad at them. The, they do a mistake. Very shocking, but it happens. Um, I have another example, which I'm sure a lot of us will be guilty of, is holding our phones. The kids right now, starting from age two, everyone, everyone, hold the phone, 24 hours. If they're crying, the easiest thing that we do, oh, here's the phone. To eat, to feed them, Oh, the easiest thing, let's watch a cartoon or something. I want to feed them. Right? And they grow up right now on the phone 24-7. They don't leave it. But there's something else that I noticed, and it was so surprising, that we ourselves hold the phone 24-7. For work, for school, for whatever. And I was trying to teach my little brothers to not hold the phone that long, and I give them only two hours a day. And after that, the phone closes off, turns off by itself. And that's something on iPhones that you guys can go ahead and set up. Um, and I can show you how later. But then one of them came to me and he was like, Julia, you hold your phone all the time. And I was like, okay, you're right. I do. And of course, I give him the excuse that I'm working, I have school, I have a lot of responsibilities, bills to pay, and so many things. But when I stayed by myself and actually thought about it, like, that's a lie. Because I do use my phone a lot. So I made an experiment with myself. I was like, okay, let me do this. I'm gonna try to turn off, to close, delete all my social media. Nothing on my phone. Nothing. It's gonna be useless, other than calling, okay? And we'll see how long I'm gonna last with this. I did it the first day automatically without thinking about it. I was sitting and I opened my phone, turned it on, and then I went to social media. I'm like, oh shoot, I closed it. That, okay, I remember now. 
I'm in my class, I got bored, opened my phone, immediately going to Facebook. I'm like, oh my gosh, I closed it. How many times do we do that? Even going to the bathroom. I used to have my phone with me, shaking it all the time. Now, instead of taking 30 minutes in the bathroom, I only take five minutes because I have nothing to do. It's amazing, it's amazing how it worked. Because first it taught me it's not easy. When we tell our children something to do, it's not easy. If we, as adults, it's difficult for us to do something like that, imagine for a little kid, how would it be? With that being said, we move to the last one and the best parenting style that uses both of the dimensions. They rule and they communicate. They're realistic. Not gonna give something that they cannot do. Gonna be realistic, I'm gonna look at them. What age are they? Can they understand me? And we talked about this. How can I reword what I'm saying to make it clear for them? I want you guys to go home and do something today. When you talk to your child, okay, I want you to stop and ask them if they understand every word you said. And I'm sure you're going to be shocked of how many words they have no clue what it means that you're telling them. No clue. If you just take a second and ask them, do you understand the words? But not in a voice or a tone that you scare them. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? It's like, do you understand what it means? Do you understand that word? And check with them, okay? Any questions? Okay. I'm gonna move to the needs of a healthy family. What does it take? How can I have a healthy family? Okay, I'm gonna take a second now and I'm gonna hear from you guys because I'm annoyed hearing my voice all the time. So, what does it take to have a healthy family? God. God? Yeah? What else? Patience. Community? Yes. Patience, I heard patience, think. Okay, what else? To have a healthy family. Love, support. Quality time. Yes, love and communication. But do we do that or do we just know that? I feel like you, you try, you know, and it's like really easy as a parent to follow through. And that's totally normal. There's no such thing as a perfect parenting. No such a thing. Always changes. We're humans. We get tired too. It's a like it's a tough job to have. We get tired. But the key here is to understand and know. If we understand and know and we're open to communicate, then that slows us down. It helps us to fix when we do a mistake. When I do something wrong, drunk with my child, with my brother. I can go back and tell them I'm sorry. That was wrong. Reminded me of um, something happened with my brothers. When they were little, how many times does your child cut you off when you're talking to a different person? Do you want something from you and be like, I need this right now. So that's something I was trying to teach my brothers. If I'm talking to someone, don't cut me off. 
And I would do that by ignoring them. But before ignoring them, I would look into their eyes and be like, hey, I'm talking right now to another person. Out of respect, have to finish the talk first. And then I'm gonna get back to you. Okay? Had to say it once, second time, I had to, to give them something. I had to give them a time in five minutes. And of course, you use different strategies with different ages. So with the little ones, there's a timer on the phone that has like sounds and cool images that helps them keep track of the five minutes because they have no sense of time. So I used to do that with them. And there was that time that we were in the car and it was me, dad, mom, and I think my little two brothers. And my brother was talking to me. And then my dad cut us off. Then he looked to my dad's and his eyes, and he's like, Dad, that's so disrespectful. I'm talking right now, do not cut me. <laughs> like, well, we're teaching them. We have to respect that too. And my dad was like, I'm sorry, you're right. So it takes us first to do it and respect what we're teaching them. Okay? So let's go to the healthy family and talk more about it. Okay. The first thing is a strong marriage commitment. Okay? Dad and mom has to be on the same page. Why? Because kids, they're smart. They know who to ask things from. My mom usually says no, so I'm going to go ahead and ask dad. And mom never knows anything about it. Or the opposite. Most of the time, moms is like the devil one, like the evil one at home. And dad, because he works all the time, he comes and he wants to make everyone happy, right? And get everything. Um, and be the cool guy. But that's not how it works. So mom and dad need to be on the same page. Their words has to be one. If mom said no, dad has to say no. If mom does not agree or dad does not agree, then they talk later alone about it, but not in front of the kids. They communicate and they tell each other their opinion. And they come to a conclusion, but not in front of the kids. The kids can wait, no problem. But do not contradict each other. Love each other. The best thing you can give your child is to love their parent. Like, you love his mom or her mom, and the mom loves his dad or her dad. That's the best thing you can give your child. Best thing. And like we said, model for your kids. Do what you want to teach them. They're going to look at you and do what you do more than they do what you tell them to do. I'm going to say it again. So they're going to look at you and do what you do and instead of hearing you telling them what to do. If you want them to teach, if you want them to do something, teach them by modeling it to them. That, that's going to be the fastest way. Okay? Do you see this? That kids copy us, they do what we do, they say what we say. Yeah or no? Yes? They do. Okay. 
Second is the importance of affection. Tell them how much you love them. Hug them, kiss them, be with them. How this is part of your day, part of communication. They need it. And you need it too. Don't be shy. Don't be like, oh, I'm a man. I can't do this. Or this is too emotional. This is for women and they have hormones. No. No. We all need it. And they need it. And healthy arguing. It's okay to argue. It's okay to have questions. But it's not okay to raise your voice. It's not okay to use some words. Teach them how to argue. Because we want to build in them strong personalities. Individuals that can grow up and face the world and are not afraid to ask questions and stand in front of anyone and argue. But teach them how to argue, how to have a healthy argument, how to say sorry when they make a mistake or not be afraid to admit that they were wrong. Because we all do mistakes and at one time we're all gonna be wrong at something. Don't be afraid, teach them that you're gonna be strong if you admit that you made a mistake, that you were wrong. Because that's where you're gonna grow up. That's when you're gonna learn something new. Most of us are afraid to admit that we're wrong. Because it means that we're letting go of something that we believed in. Because in our mind we think, oh, I'm gonna look bad. So teach them to not be afraid to admit they're wrong or to make a mistake. How many of you um, get so mad, get so worried, and get so concerned when your child make like a mistake that we call sometimes huge mistake? We get terrified sometimes to a point where we can't hit them and scream to their faces. But what we fail to explain to them or teach them is what to do to fix their mistakes. Because we all make mistakes. And I understand how much we love our kids to the point where we just want to put them in a box and hide them from the world and protect them. But think about what will they do when you're gone. They're going to come out of that box with no support, with no personality, with nothing. Anything can affect them and influence them. What would be better? If you let them go, they make a mistake, but you're behind them. You're supporting them. You're taking their hands and you're teaching them. Now when you're gone, you left something for them. They're not afraid of making mistakes because they know how to get up again and fix their mistakes. Do we all agree that we all make mistakes and we all gonna continue to make mistakes? Yes, right? Can you protect your child as long as he, he's alive or she's alive from everything? You can't. 
There's some stuff out of control. Please call me off and ask questions or slow me down if I'm going too fast. Yes? talking and the kid cuts you off, right? Yes. But sometimes if there's like a room full of adults and it's just like one or two kids, they almost feel like they're not important. If you keep saying like, no, no, we're just going to keep talking. Does that make sense? So how do you make the kid feel like they're really important while, even if it's not a conversation, let's say the adult's like working and they're busy. Yes. Like how do you also make the kid feel important but you also might have some work to do, how do you find that balance? That's a good question. We're gonna talk more in details about this one, but to answer your question, that's why we stop and we look at them in their faces and we communicate, we tell them. Yeah. You can also tell them, this is very important and I wanna hear you, but I'm talking right now. And you made a good point because most of the time, after we finish talking, we find the kid is blank or doing something else and we just ignore it and do something. But no, make it a point that when you're done to go back and even if he's busy, to tell him, hey, I'm available now. What did you want to talk about? I can hear you now. If he tells you I'm busy now, that's fine. But you said something and you followed up. That's making them feel, oh, I'm important. Okay, that's one thing. The second thing, when you're busy at home or working, and we're gonna talk more in details about that. You know your kid. I'm not gonna know your kid better than you. You know what he need and when he need it. And this is something very important to be self-aware of your kid and his needs. Does he need me right now? Do I need to leave everything and just focus with him? Or is it time right now to teach him something, to wait? So I have to decide when I need to teach my child something and when I need to leave everything and just focus with him or her. And that's something only you can know it, not me. You know when your child needs you. If you take a second and just think about it, you're gonna feel it even. You know when they need you. And if you don't feel it, then we need to talk about this. Okay? Did I answer your question so far? Yeah? yeah. Okay. Okay. Show that you appreciate them. In little things. It gets me so annoyed when sometimes when they make a mistake, we punish them so hard. And when they do something good, all we say, great job. Like seriously? So if I do something bad, you hit me and punish me and ground me. And if I do something good, all you, all you have to say is just good job. Show that you appreciate them. In fact, what I'm gonna tell you, focus more with the things they do good. That's what we need to maximize. Because we wanna teach them to continue doing that, those things. When you show them that you appreciate them, the little things, they get excited. They're little kids. They're gonna get happy with, with the smallest thing. But with time, it fades. 
So your communication with them has to change as well. So maybe with their two or three, or even one, good job, that's the greatest thing you can tell them. They're gonna feel great hearing this. But when they're six, seven, and eight, uh-uh. Just great job is not gonna do its effect anymore. You're gonna have to give them something a little bit more. And as they grow up, going to teenager years, and even adult, young adults, your communication with them has to change again. Mommy, look at my tree. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> That's a good example here. <laughs> okay. Another factor for a healthy family is spiritual. We have to have God. What we're teaching is from the Bible. It's not from anywhere else. It's not from where we live. It's not from the culture, the tradition. It's from the Bible. At home, we need to show this. At home, we have to have time to pray together. Because we do our best, but the rest on God. And like I said, there's no perfect parenting. And we have to teach them to rely on God and their relationship with Him. If you're able to teach your child how to love God, like truly how to love God, not just to say it or repeat it after you, but to understand it, your life is going to be way, way easier. Way easier. But to really understand it and explain why we love God. And please, please do not rely on the statement that we do that because we're Christian. It's not going to work with this generation. And I heard it before. A kid came one time and said, okay, I don't want to be Christian anymore. When we speak to them, say why. Why we're doing what we're doing. Why it's good to be Christian. Jesus had everything written in the Bible. He explained everything. He didn't say you do this because you're a Christian. He said why. So instead of telling them because we're Christian, tell them why. Why Jesus had this in the Bible. For what reason? Because here, just telling them because we're Christian, it's not going to work out. And if it's going to work for a year or two, it's not going to work out when they get into the teenager years. When they have to ask so many questions. Are you guys shocked yet? Not yet? Maybe? Okay. Communicate effectively with your children. Um, and I believe we have been saying this, and I have been saying this over and over again because this is very important. But please, make sure to have one-on-one -on -one time with each of your children, alone. You and him or her by yourselves. Mom and your children, one-on-one. -on -one. And not at home, no. You take her or him and be like, okay, we're going out for a date right now. 
I'm going to take you going out for a date and talk. Just me and you. 15 minutes. Just 15 minutes. Once a week. 15 minutes once a week. Or one hour once a month. It's going to make so much difference. And it's going to teach them that you care about them and they're important. Because now you're giving them special time, one-on-one. It's me and you. Yes, you have all other siblings, and there's time that we all go out as a family, but there's also a time where I and you go out by ourselves, or have our time by ourselves, doing something by ourselves. It's going to teach them that you're the comfort place. That when something is going on in their life, they're going to wait for that time to go out with you and talk with you. And make it fun. Uh, my last birthday, I have three siblings, okay? One that's 22 and nine and 10. So my last birthday, I looked at the three of them and I was like, okay, each one of you is taking out me for a date and you guys are gonna pay for me. Okay, and you're gonna treat me as a princess. And, of course, the little ones, they looked at me and they were like, what? Us three? Like, I have the little one, he's, oh my gosh, something else. Um, he looked at me and he was like, we're going to spend so much money on you. <laughs> so what? It's once a year. You have money, right? And I gave them money in the Easter um, and Christmas. So they have money, they saved money. And that's something else we need to teach them, how to save money and how to spend them. So I took the first one, okay, the 10 years old, the 22, we did something like us together, but the 10 years old, I told him and I told him, okay, you're going to wear something very cool and I'm going to wear a dress and we're going to go out. He's like, okay, how much should I get with me? I was like, $20. That's fine. He's like, okay. So I took him to BJ's and we spent some time, we talked, I asked him about his school, I talked with him about my college what I'm doing, um, and we spent some time, I got a cake, and we said happy birthday in the restaurant, me and him, and it was a fun day. He was so happy. He was holding my hand all the time, and I was surprised, because at 10 years old, he was looking at me, and he was like, Julia, are you happy? I was like, yes, I am. Then his answer was like, okay, I'm happy too. He said it like three or four times during that day. And it was shocking, because I didn't imagine that it's gonna come from him. The second one, the nine-year-old, I found my mom calling me and she was like, where are you? He took a shower, he did his hair, and he's waiting for you. Like, oh my God, I just ate. (laughs) Um, But I came back and I looked at him and he was wearing sporty. I'm like, how am I gonna wear a dress like that? Um, And he just wanted me to wear like a wedding dress, like a red, tall one and so fancy. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're wearing like sports and Adidas and stuff. I'm not going to wear that. Um, So I talked to him and I was like, okay, how do I make this work? Because he told me you wore a dress with my brother. Why not now? He's not going to get like how people were going to look at us and how I'm not supposed to wear that dress just going out. So I told him, would you like to go to round one? We can go and have so much fun and play like bowling and, you know, basketball and soccer. And he's like, yes, yes, yes. And then I was like, okay, but don't tell anyone because I didn't do that with your brother, so don't do that. Um, and then he was like, okay, sure, 
So I was like, okay, but now I have to change. I have to wear something else to be comfortable. He's like, okay, how about you wear like me? Like shoes and, you know, pants and some sports stuff. It's like, okay, cool. Went out with him and he told me that he has $32 because he wants to have extra so we don't go to the jail if, you know, something happened and we spent extra time or money. And during the day, he would look at me and be like, what do you want? I'm going to buy it for you. This is your day at nine years old. And I'm only spending that much time telling you guys this story because I want to tell you something. It works. When you take the time and give them the time and teach them something, it works. You will be surprised when you ask them. You will be surprised when they come to you and tell you these things. And it's gonna feel so good. But you just have to start it. You have to implement it in them. So give them time. This is very important, one-on-one. Okay, before we go to the skills to deal with crisis and conflicts, does anyone have any questions so far? No? Okay. So skills to deal with crisis and conflicts. The first one, learning to manage strong emotions. Yelling, no screaming, yelling, and remain calm. How difficult is that? And let's talk about it, because I'm going to leave and you guys are going to stay with your kids. So if you don't speak up and tell me how difficult it is, I'm not going to know. Very difficult to keep calm and not scream and yell. Yes, it is very difficult. Sometimes almost impossible. And like me, I just want to take them and kick them out. And just leave in peace. Okay? But there's something very important. Kids, even until like teenager years, their emotions are very strong. Very strong. Because that's all they have. Their frontal lobe, which is responsible about judgments and taking decisions and maturing, it's not developing yet. So all they have right now is emotions flowing everywhere. Okay? And what they need is someone to teach them how to control their emotions. If we, as adults, cannot control our own emotions, how can we expect our children to control them? Just think about that question. If I cannot control my emotions, why am I expecting from my child, who does not know anything, to control his or her emotions? Why do I expect him to talk to me with a low voice when I'm not able to do that with them? Why do I expect him or her to not kick or hit or walk away when they're talking to me or when I'm talking to them when I cannot do that? Just think about it. Second thing, talk and listen. Talk and listen. Tell them everything that you love them, that you care about them, why they should do what they're doing, why they should respect you. And not because you're their parent, but because they should respect everyone. This is something that they should have. 
because it reflects their image and listen to them even if you know what they're gonna say I'm sure you all know what your kids gonna say I'm sure but please do not tell them I know what you're gonna say because you shut them down and they don't want to speak anymore and it's gonna come a time where you want them to speak but they're not gonna speak so talk and listen encourage fairness be fair and to be fair look at yourself and look at their ages and what's appropriate for them and what not think about what they understand and what they don't think about what the why they did the mistakes they did Because that's going to give you another lens to look at them and know what to teach them and how to teach it to them. Of course they're going to make mistakes. They're learning. In fact, I would be concerned if they don't make mistakes. So how are we going to teach them that once you make a mistake? And the last one, be present. Be present in their lives. Sometimes all they need, not sometimes actually, all the time what they need is just you. To be there. To understand. To talk, to communicate, to hug them. To give them time. Mom and dad for them, their whole world. If you don't make that a point right now, you're going to lose them when they're teenagers. Because anyways, when they're teenagers, they're gonna a little bit walk away. Because that's their age and it's totally normal. But if you don't make it a point that you are their world when they're young, when they grow up, they're not gonna learn that. So they will never come back to you. Be present. Okay. We're at the end of our time today, but before and let you guys go in peace, okay? And try all those things that we talked about today. I just wanna hear any last comments or questions you guys have about anything we said today or anything you wanna bring up. Yes? Do you have any tips on how to deal with jealousy between, you know, even if I do simple things with my younger one, the older one is very jealous and then he acts out. Yes, so to answer that question, let's talk about why do you think your child is jealous? Okay, and that's very normal. All children are, are jealous. But the answer to that question is because they love you so much and they want you to be just for them. And they need to learn how to love others and that mom or dad loves all the kids, like all of my siblings, the same. That's number one. Understanding that will help you take it to the second step. Okay? Which is we talked about have time to each one of them by themselves and teach them how to love each other. Talk to them. It was very hard because my brothers were also like 9 and 10 years old, so the ages are very similar. To not make them jealous from each other was a hard equation to deal with. But they're going to get it. They're going to get it. When you look at him and be like, 
we're all one family and we all love each other. Let's do this. Help, help your brother. He needs, he needs you or you need him. Let's all do something together. It's, eventually, it's going to go away. Any other questions? Sure. Yes. How do you deal with, like, how do you make your child obey more? Pushing more. Did you tell me this? A little bit. Um, no, that's fine. So, how to make your child obey more when they're little? Actually, no. Let me give you a good tip. Let me, let me give you a good tip. Children do not have any senses of time and space and distance, okay? They're not going to understand you when you give them time or you tell them wait, okay? But they're going to understand when you give some, them something in hand. Something that I use with my brothers all the time when they were little, and I want you guys to search it out. It's called the token board. Token board, it's an app, okay, on your phone. You can have it all the time. What happens during the token board is that, okay, we're going to church today, correct? Every time you sit quietly for five minutes, you're going to take a token. So he's sitting with me in church. He doesn't have sense of time. So I give him the timing Okay, on the phone. He's holding it. Yes, he's not paying attention, but at least he's staying quiet and he's learning how to be patient. So sitting for five minutes. Five minutes is over. He goes immediately and gives himself token. When he gets the five tokens, then we decide that, and I decide that was him before we go to church that after church, we're gonna go to McDonald's or we're gonna do something, I'm gonna get you something. So you motivate him to do these things. The second thing that I learn, I teach them, instead of like um, hitting or punishing all the time, I use the, um, with them the technique of five, four, three, two, one. So I tell them, and you have to give your children time to process. I'll give you some time to do what I told you to do. For example, He's playing with his toys, okay? And we told him, it's time for lunch, clean up. He's not cleaning up. Okay, I'll give you five seconds or 10 seconds, depending on how long you know your child is going to take. Don't be like five, four, three, two, one. It's impossible to clean up in that time, okay? Give them some time and be like, okay, if you don't clean up, when I say zero or time's up, I'm going to clean and you're not gonna play with those toys for a week, for a day, or two days, okay? For an hour. And please follow up with what you say. You said so, do it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, next time, okay, that's the thing. When we forget, what will happen is, when you say the same thing, they're not gonna obey. Believe me, sometimes you say, remember, I wasn't supposed to be in the iPad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And they're gonna be like, okay. Because I told you, your kids are smart, they know. You're like a remote control in their hands. If I press this, mom is going to yell. If I press this, mom is gonna be chill and say yes. If I press this, mom is going to forget and let me play. And they're gonna take their time. So let me give you an example. If you tell your child, clean up, he doesn't clean up, then clean up, doesn't clean up, clean up, doesn't clean up. After 30 minutes, clean up, and you scream, and they clean up. Do you know why? Because they know if they don't obey, they get extra 30 minutes. And then you scream, and here you go, that's my time. They know. With time, parenting changes. We're more busy. 
they're more aware. They know more now. They have more tools. Back then, we don't. We didn't have computers. We didn't have like phones. We didn't have anything. We would play with our brothers. So jealousy was not like a huge thing because they were all we have. Okay. Um, I'm gonna give you guys my email address. I think it's with Abuna. So if anyone has any more questions, please email me. Yes. Just even observing parents a lot, they feel such an insurmountable need to like be perfect, and the job is never end ending. So like normally, right? Like if I have a problem with work, right? I can yeah. walk out and I can go and say like, oh, I have a problem with this. But I think that it's so hard because we are expected to be perfect so much of the time, and the emotional aspect is like they they try so hard and they give everything so and like time, money, like everything right and it's like they they want help but they don't even know who to go to how like you know or even like sometimes you know the person who is you know like let's say your significant other might have a different parenting style so then you can't even necessarily always go to them for advice because right. you're like well they're just gonna say you know no rule like one's more permissive and the other more authoritative right. or you know the things opposite. like that and so how how do you like I think that so many parents just get caught up with the emotional side of like they just want to be perfect and then and they just feel like kind of like overwhelmed when right. they don't know how to do that. They want to do the best for their kids, but then obviously you just have to keep going. There's no there's no clocking out. There's no breathing time when you can go ask for help. So like what would you advise for parents who just like want more places to go to help, like to ask, like to go for advice. Even. Right. So first of all, I'm going to say that, like I said before, there's no such a thing as perfect parenting. There's no. Okay. No matter how much you try, there's no such a thing as perfect parenting. And you have to accept that fact. Okay. But that doesn't mean that we try all the time that we want to be the best, not the perfect, but the best. Okay. That's number one. Number two, what I would advise before going to anyone. Give time to yourself, you deserve it. You need time to yourself. And you need to make it a priority. Because if you're not charged, you cannot give or provide anything to your kids. And this is something that you and your husband, or you and your wife, need to talk about. That each one of you has to have some time during the week for you. 30 minutes, walk out. Go do your nails. Go play a bliss PlayStation. I don't know. Go do something for yourself. 30 minutes. You need to be recharged. And a lot of parents think that, oh, I'm going to be selfish if I do that. My kid needs that time. But if you think about it, if you give your kid that time, you're giving it wrong. Because you're being annoyed. You're angry. You're tired. You're upset. You cannot handle anything from them. And instead of being 30 minutes, it's a lifelong treatment, basically. So don't be afraid to give yourself that time because you need it and you deserve it. That's number one. If you do that, you're not going to need anything. The second thing, search out. We all have phones right now. There's a lot of programs out there that can come and teach you everything that I'm telling you a day by day and give you resources. One of the programs that I was 
working at, it's called Parenting uh, Parents as Teachers. And it's for free. They come, they assist the children, they tell you where they're at, they help you with school, with development, they help you with anger issues, they help you with everything. Even if you need to go back to school or do something or have some time to yourself, they help you with that. The easiest way is search. There's a lot of programs out there. And like I said, one of them is parents as teachers. But that's from ages zero to five, meaning like if you are pregnant even, and you don't know anything, they come and help you. And they tell you where is the fetus right now, what is he doing, how is his development, and so on. Until five years old. Which is the most important, because kids learn the most from three years old to five years old. I'm gonna tell you something very important too. For a spiritual, go to the Bible. You're saying that parents are putting so much pressure on them to be perfect. But as the Bible said, you don't have to be perfect. You can be perfect. But what you're extra describing to me right now sounds so much like an anxiety or stress, like over anxiety or over stress, which you might need professional help to help you a little bit calm down or teach you techniques to calm down. It's not more of spiritual. Because spiritual, we have it. We come to church. We know that God told us to not be afraid or not to be worried. Okay. But if we're talking about raising kids and how to be with them and how to um, kind of like manage our own emotions that come from being a parent, then to be honest with you, I don't think a priest can help you with that. Unless he has a background in psychology. He can guide you towards resources, sure. But you also need to do your own search on this okay we have to be responsible not everything we're going to be like okay i have to run to the priest but i think is your question how to make them spiritual that's what i understood so. okay, I, I think it's fine interpretation i guess i, I was just I like kind it. of more talking about the kind of i just feel like there are a lot of parents who feel overwhelmed yes just watching I'm just, you know, I'm not a parent yet, but I just feel like it's like, it's a lot. And it happens. You know, it kind of feels like there's no, like, there's, it doesn't always seem like there are people available to go to for, like, advice. And I guess, like, maybe they, there are also other parents that can ask for help. I just, I feel like, um, sometimes they just don't even know, like, who do I go to for help? Who do I go to ask for help for things? I don't know. That's, I guess I just, I'm just saying, like, the emotional aspect. No, you're absolutely correct, and this is this is an issue that we we're having here that we don't have much resources. We don't know where to go about this issue, um, and I don't have like a perfect answer for you for resources other than you have to just make your own research. Just know that there's a lot of resources out there, and you can access them. Have you ever read a book called um, Raising Mentors? No. This is an
I've had the book for like three months. I've read like me too. Me too. It was a really good 15 pages. But let me tell you guys something. To, to, to have time to even read books and find resources, you have to have self-care. You have to get back to your mind to be able to think clearly. And that's not going to happen if you don't give yourself some time to please. To tell yourself it's okay. It's okay to make mistakes. You're not going to be able to do anything else. Because I'm sure we all can find good resources if we try to find. If we have the mind, a clear mind to even look and the time. But the best thing that I have heard, and I'm going to share it with you before we end today, is that the best time to take a break is when you don't have time to take a break. The best time to relax is when you don't have time to relax. Okay? Thank you so much. I really enjoyed being with you guys. Um, please reach out if you have any questions. Like I said, I'm gonna have my contact information. Thank you.